Hey, my friends, how the heck are you? I'm joined by my good friend, Tommy Mello. He is a crazy business building maniac, uh, author of the Home Service Millionaire, popular podcast host as well, which is the Home Service Expert podcast. Is that what it is, Tommy? And uh, he's building an empire down in the Southwest. He's got a garage door uh, home service company in multiple states. He's growing so fast, it's ridiculous. I don't know what his total employee count is, but his revenues are like north of $40 million a year. Tommy, thank you for hanging out with me for just a few minutes. Hey, I appreciate it, Josh. I, you know, since we've got to know each other, I just hear your name come up all the time and I see your Facebook. You've grown quite the, uh, the following just by treating people right. So it's exciting that I get to know you. I love helping people. I love connecting people. I love uh, just talking about this stuff and adding value. And I know how busy you are. You've bought a new warehouse. Your company's growing. You got your fingers in a lot of different projects. Uh, specifically with uh, A1, how many employees do you guys have company-wide now? We, we're, we're well over to the 240 mark. And, you know, it's hard because we've got some apprentices that I don't necessarily count to the go through three months. But it, it just keeps going up and up and up. We In November, we kind of decided to scale back, kind of do trim the fat and uh, growing back up there. And sometimes you get into peaks and valleys and sometimes you just, when you're, when, you're, when you're at the valley, you need to figure out what you need to do to go grow back up to the peak. And it usually has to do with employees and top grading. Okay. Do you want to explain top grading in terms of performance reviews and what that means and how you guys handle that? So, for example, I was in this office yesterday. I mean, um, this is brand new for me, this, this new building. And we were talking to some supervisors, and I was talking about moving them up possibly to management. And she said, well, we need to get rid of three of our dispatchers. And um, I asked her, if you've been involved in supervising them, why am I hearing this now? And she told me the KPIs and why they weren't necessarily doing their jobs. Now, dispatching is an art, not a science. So getting positive communication flow is half the battle. But top grading means you're taking key performance indicators 70% of the time. You can't run your whole business off metrics and yes and no's and ones and zeros like a computer. You got to run it off human beings. Is What's your willingness to learn? Do you care about the company? Do you get along with other employees? Are you poison or are you actually contributing? And I'll work with anybody that has a will. If you have a will, I'll give you the way. So that just means you've got an aptitude to learn new things and you want to win. Because people, if you want a participation trophy, don't come to my company. <laughs> oh, man, I love it so much. We're so like-minded, man. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can get little tumors growing inside your company, right? And then you got to perform a little surgery, a little snippy snippy with the cancer that can grow, right? It, you do got to get the snippy snippy, but a lot of times you got to understand the opportunity cost of where your time and energy goes. You got three things, time, energy, and money. Money comes and goes. We all have money. Sometimes we don't. Time, I've been able to delegate a lot, but sometimes they over delegate, but I don't want to go into that. But energy, my energy, I only have so much energy. I could use my energy to make a pot of coffee. I could use my energy this that you see right now, I have a lot more than most people. Like Tony Robbins, he's always pumped. I'm kind of like that. But at the same time, I only have certain energy to put into a certain market and pump people up and be the dad to listen to their problems and hear them. So 
my biggest mistake in business up to this date is putting so much energy and splitting it amongst everything instead mm. of just focusing my energy on we're doing 12 million in Phoenix. I could get it to 20 if I focus and put energy into it. So a lot of things steal my energy and I don't mind it because I like to cha change up. That's how I do better. But at the same time, I, I need to pull it back a little bit. That's awesome. Well, one of the things we want, a few of the things we want to talk about and get your thoughts on, Tommy, is uh, these five different types of employee systems. One of the things I teach is that every business needs to have, you know, these basic core systems, you know, a way to recruit. So you got recruiting. That's a whole topic, right? That by itself is a whole thing. It's strategic. It's all that. It's tactical. Then you have interviewing. Um, would love to get your insight on that. Then we have hiring. You know, in terms of like the HR process, do you actually do background checks? Do you actually drug test people? What is it like when someone is hired on? Is there like an onboarding process? And then training, and not just technical training, but safety training, culture training, the process training, whatever that looks like for you guys. And then the last one we can cover is leadership development. You might not call it that, but like how do you grow people inside? What type of career path do they have? How do you communicate that? We'd love to get kind of your perspective on those. So if we could, starting with recruiting, um, a lot of people complain they can't find employees. And these are people that only need to hire two. And they pretend like uh, the universe has conspired against them. <laughs> it's impossible to find an employee. You have 240. Yes, uh, the Trump economy is killing it right now. Unemployment's low, but you're still growing. What's your philosophy and systems and strategies when it comes to recruiting? Okay, so you know me pretty well now. So you're going to have to give me some type of time constraints because I love this stuff. So just say, you know, try to give me – to the point. So that's probably the number one thing I see in my podcast is how do I get the right people? And uh, first of all, recruiting is about marketing. And what I find is good marketers say I get all these customers, but they don't recruit new employees. And there's always be closing ABC. I say always be recruiting. You're not going to the, the pool of people. The pool of people for my company are busboys, bartenders, servers, hostesses that are dealing with people all the time. They're the, they're the people, at the gas stations, they're the people that have held a job a long time. And more importantly, they're the people that I feel like I could have a real conversation with and that I trust. So when it comes to recruiting for me, I put a huge net out there. I mean, I'm on every single site, ZipRecruiter, uh, you know, Career Builder, Monster, Indeed, Craigslist like crazy. And I've got auto posters that I'm always paying the $45 fee or whatever it is in different cities. And I post in three different sections. And all, I used to spend about $500 a month recruiting when I spent 400000 on marketing. Now I'm starting to spend thousands, tens of thousands to recruit. We're working on an email that goes out to every customer that's happy because our CRM tells us that. It says we're always looking for amazing people. Here's exactly what we're looking for. But more importantly, what I found is last week I went to my cousin's business in Colorado Springs. I looked at his ads. And I said, who the hell would want to work for this dictatorship? Must be eligible for requirements, blah, 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 blah. I said, why do they want to work with you? Start with why. Well, here's why you want to work with me. Last quarter, we had three new homeowners because I had a guy come in and talk about homeownership and get a pre-qualified. We have Dave Ramsey's course going. We have all these incentives and bonus and gamification plans. We do lunch every week on Fridays from the owner. And I don't say it's from me. I say it's from the management staff. 
We do so many things above and beyond. So first of all, what? Okay, yeah, we got health insurance. We got paid time off. We've got trucks for you. We give you an iPad. We give you brand new trucks. I can tell you a lot of things, but the fact is, I start questioning myself now and say, what else? What else when I fill out the why for me could I put in there? Mm-hmm. And it causes me to go, I want to give more. I want to make this a place that just is a magnet that I don't even have to work that hard. So a guy told me in Canada, he goes, I get a lot of people in here on the Fridays and post on social media, like the whole staff. And I go, how do you do that? He goes, you'd be surprised what a lot of beer and pizza would do for your staff. Now I don't condone <laughs> beer for, you know, last thing I want to happen is something to get sued because of that. But that's what he said. And I'm like, you know, getting the staff to interact with the recruiting is so important because A players attract other A players. So there's a lot to be said about recruiting, but what I say is cast a huge net. Get as many as you could. Do personality profiling. Understand who's going to make the best. Because what I have for a dispatcher is not necessarily great for accounting and not best for sales. So understand who you're looking for. Have a manual. When they come in, show them how they could win the game and how they're judged. So there's a lot I said there, but first you got to put the bait out there. Then you got to hook them when you get in there. People don't realize that uh, our employees are our internal customers, customers. right? Yeah. And it, all the same rules apply in terms of like the customer life cycle. You have like an employee life cycle. How do you market for them? How do you hook them? How do you hold them? How do you maximize the profitability of them? So I think that's huge. I guess some of the little guys would make the argument, which is invalid, I'll say up front, but this is what they're telling themselves as you say that. Well, yeah, you know, Tommy, that's nice for Tommy because he's, he's doing millions of dollars. Uh, I mean, you guys are going to be almost a million a week at some point here in revenue. That's insane, right? So this little guy is making excuses. Well, I can't give health insurance. I can't blah, blah, blah. What would you say to that guy? To call them out a little bit. I would say that I got a company that I work with on the regular. It's a pest control company and has people lining up for minimum wage because he treats them right and they get the value of when you work for this company, like Enterprise got, when you work for this company, you know, and you, well, then again, he'd say this, well, they're a huge company. Well, they invest back in their employees. And what I would say is this, is number one, you're not charging enough to hire great employees. Because you think you cannot advertise. Let me just tell you, you can't advertise. You can never go to training because God forbid you go out of town because nobody's going to run the company. You know, I don't mean to put my cousin under the bus because he's a smart dude. He kicks butt. And I don't think he's going to watch this because he's so busy. If, he, if I did, I'd even give him more props. But I was out there and I just said, dude, what happens? You're out there giving all the bids on the sales bids. I went in there and I said three things. I'll tell you, Josh, this is what I said. Number one, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fire your Google guy because you're paying 30% of your ad spend. He's not doing any SEO. He's not doing any reputation management. And that alone is going to double your business, number one. Number two, your ads suck. You've stood with mediocrity for how long? This is ridiculous. These guys are so below average. But I said, you're the problem, though. You're a shitty manager. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, let's call your guy to his job right now. I called him up and I said, hey, tell me what's going on out there. And he told me, I said, what does it need? He told me, I said, let me talk to the customer. I doubled that ticket. And I called him that night and said, congratulations. That's so exciting. You just, you just doubled your average ever that you've ever done. That was your biggest ticket. And he goes, well, you sold it. I said, no, I didn't. I helped you. 
You didn't stall it. You called me with the problems. I said, Ryan, you need to be there for your team. And number three, where are your metrics in your business? How are you choosing to do your advertising? How are you choosing if your Google guy is doing good, if the Valpac's kicking butt, if your Clipper or your money mailer is doing well? And he goes, well, we keep track of some of this stuff. I said, show me. You don't even have a system for it. So we're going to fix these three things in less than three weeks, and I'll literally get your time back, we'll double your business, and you'll make double the money without having to manage everything. And so he's been calling me every day since then, but he's my, you know, he's my, I love him to death, and I'm going to do this for him because I think I could add value to his life. And I think we could do that, me and you, Josh, do that to a lot of people. How did you have such clarity with this? I mean, you've it's been a pretty short time, really, from like zero to where you are now. You've built all this seemingly from the ground up. Are you just a ravenous consumer? Did you get certain mentors? How did you see it like this? Did you just make mistakes? Do you take more action than the average person? Why are you getting such a huge result uh, and everybody else isn't? When I joined Service Titan and I got to network, I consider myself a pretty good marketer. And one thing that I've done really well, not on the podcast with you, but I listen. And somebody I've known to lo- I've been known to listen to people that are way better than me. When I go shoot pool, I play with the best of the best. I could almost beat anybody, but I play people better than me. When I go golfing, unless I'm going out there to have fun with my buddies, I play with the best of the best. When I'm in business and I'm on my podcast, I find people that are better than me in one particular focus. And the difference is, is most people, I'm so willing to say, yes, I've made those mistakes and I'm gonna try new things. Do I believe in every single thing I hear? No, but success follows success. And I've learned and I've listened and I've actively listened instead of hearing. And most people will have a notebook and they'll be like, oh my God, there's so many good things. Then they lose the notebook. And they might remember a couple of things that implement it, then it goes like this. and you got to have checks and balances. You got to inspect what you expect. You got to hire great people. And it's, it's, it's so hard to do all of these things, but I'll tell you, you know, originally I told you that I, I don't love working with the small companies. And the reason why is they have a hard time listening. They hear you, but they don't listen. But the ones that do, you see such a profound impact in their business and the way it grows. And you get to see huge results fast. Yeah. And I don't go, yeah, dude, great job. I just said, wow, I'm happy for you. You get to spend more time with your daughter who just graduated. Now you have a boat. You get to golf. Your wife's happy again. This is fun stuff. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so you knocked that domino down really well. It was amazing, epic. What about interviewing? What's your? Do you have any secret sauce? Do you have any things you found that work? Do you do group interviews? Do you put hoops they have to jump through before they're able to do an interview? Do you do like a... A working interview is a new thing I've been hearing where you, people take them out. What's your, your philosophy process system for interviewing? So interviewing, it really depends on the job. It depends on if they're an apprentice or if they're a manager. One of the things I always advise is interview them face-to-face. Uh, I will never invite somebody in for an interview until it's been through two other interviews. Usually my recruiter is interviewing them saying, the resume looks good, they sound good. They, they sound competent on the phone. They answered when they said they were. They've gone through a few hoops of responding to my ad with a title in it. And then we do some personality profiling, make sure they match up. And there's a million different tests up there. We use different ones. We're using, um, what is it, Sanders? What is that, Sandler's for a while. We're, we've used a lot of different personality profiling for sales versus accounting. 
and there's really good ones out there. But the one thing these tests look for is consistency. Some people try to beat a test and they're, they're not good employees. People that are consistent, they fill the same thing out. They'll ask the same question five times. If they're completely opposite answers, you're not a good even contestant for any role. Mm. So personality profiling, I think is important. These guys are really good. They're, they're psychologists and they know exactly what's going on when they do these tests, if it's a good person or a liar. That's important. They know their aptitude for sales versus accounting versus micro versus macro. The next big thing I would say is I want somebody that's gonna listen. So a lot of times, and you'd be surprised at this, but I'll start, I'll go like this. I'll say, Josh, start with me now. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And if they don't join and they're like starting to get pissed off, I'm like, if they start laughing and they start singing with me, then I'm like, you're the type of person I want. I don't go through the yeah. whole song. But if they're like, dude, I, that, I don't want to yeah. be here if this is what you're going to do. I'm like, then get the hell out of here. Because <laughs> you know, I don't want to be But if they start laughing and they're all in. That's and, genius. Yeah, that's, that's so genius. a lot of funny things here. No, that's so profound. It's funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's really makes sense to me. I've never heard that ever. But you're tell you're giving them an instruction and seeing if they're if they'll follow or not. And if they're going to be abrasive and laugh and smile because culture has a lot to do with it. And th then I do a ride along for sure. I'll let them kind of witness what they're going to get. The biggest thing I find with hiring is is giving them the expectations of what's going to happen. So when we grow to be a big company, you lose employees because they're like, this is not what I signed up for. So giving them the expectations as a technician, this is not a nine to five. You're not allowed to smoke or drink in my vehicle or drive. You're going to be called for one night a week on an on-call, but I don't say it like that. Right now I sound like I'm giving demands. When right. I talk to them about it, I'm like, here's what happened one time. A guy was drinking beer and I understand we drink beer, but I have too much to lose for that. So I go through each one of them in a way that they go, yeah, that makes sense. Not you better do this, 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 or this, or I don't want you. So the delivery is a lot of it. Why would you want to work with me? And when they come in here, I'm more about this. How are you as a person? I'll walk out to their car with them. If their car looks like a piece of crap and I look in the back window and there's clothes everywhere, there's soda cans and chips, uh, they're not going to treat me any better that's how they're going to treat. That's how they treat themselves. A lot of times if they're a manager, take them out to dinner with their significant other. This is a Dave Ramsey thing. Take them out with their significant other. If they open the door and they're smiling and they're kissing and they're loving, well, it depends on the significant other, I guess. But if they're happy at home, they're probably going to be happier at their lifestyle of your, of your career and at work. If they're not happy and they're just like, you just see them, there's tension. There's, uh, <laughs> there's, then it's probably not going to be good. Yeah. Well, uh, my friend, you know, Chris Lambernini's, I don't know if you know him, but he, uh, so. he had one of the largest residential window cleaning companies like in the country at one time, but he always says that uh, every employee has two problems a week, like personal problems. And they bring that to work somehow it will manifest at work. So if you have 240 employees, you basically are absorbing 500 problems <laughs> right, a week. So that's really good too. That's such a great ninja trick, man. Okay. So you crush recruiting interviewing um what about hiring when you when you decide to make an offer you send them an offer letter or whatever take us through that process uh, do you guys do background checks do you not do you say that you drug test but don't do it or do you actually do it 
what's your what's the truth kind of behind the scenes on what that looks like inside your company and, and the way you welcome them into the company okay so we we do drug tests we do background checks so there, here's a big problem i had is my my background check used to take three to four days to come back and it was a very very diligent like really advanced background check and i said usually the good ones would come back right away clean the other ones kind of had to go a little bit deeper so i said this is a problem this is four days we're keeping a good guy on the line and the recruiting to hiring process turned into this long thing and i said i started to micromanage it myself and peek into every little hole you you got to understand we're in a blue collar industry we need to get these guys and say you need to be at this bat drug test at this time at this location so i get their address and we we created a process and a system to get them through rather than saying, you go ahead and do this, do a ride along whenever you want. No, here's the time we want to get you in here. So drug test. Now we do a background check. that takes less than 15 minutes to get back. It doesn't catch everything, but you know what? We did our diligence. We did enough to know if you're a rapist. I don't want a rapist showing up to my client's house. So we put it through a fast test. We have them show up to the, to the drug test fairly quickly. And then we do write them an offer letter. And then we make them understand that this is a 90-day trial period. There's certain key performance indicators we expect from you. And they got to understand that this is an audition, even when they're hired. Now, that we've, got a, we've got our own labor lawyer that we look into things with HR. And that's something that I don't love, so I don't get involved as much. I know enough to be deadly, but something that I hate to deal with. I don't like to hire or fire because if I hire you and don't fire you, I kind of look like a, a sissy. And I don't like to look like that either. But I want them to be really, I want them to be loyal to me. Because if they're loyal to a manager, you could watch your whole company walk out one day. So it's very important that they know me, they like me, they get the rewards from me, they get their bonuses from me. I'm involved with everything good. Bad, I try to separate myself as much as possible. Because That's if they hate you, they come after your company. So... Everybody that quits here goes, you know, Tommy's a really nice guy, but those managers are pricks. And that's how <laughs> I wanted it. That's how I set it up. So, you know, you asked a lot of questions there. And, and, you know, I try to give them what we've tried to implement, and we haven't been super successful at it yet. But it's doing little things like, Josh, if I was to give you 20 bucks today, what would you spend it on? Would you spend it on a movie ticket, maybe a couple bowling? Would you buy, go buy chocolate? What's your favorite stuff? And then once you get that, right when they get done with training, you give them that. And, but you also ask them, what would you do at $100? Maybe would you go bungee jumping, jump out of a plane? Would you go on a helicopter ride for 100 bucks, kind of outside of what's something you'd really want to do? And then their one-year anniversary, you give them that. Mm -hmm. Little things have a book library that they could check out books. I have an ice machine. It's stupid, but an ice machine in Arizona is pretty valuable to these guys because they can load up with ice when they come get their parts. So I just moved in this building. It's 35,000 square feet. I had a guy out here. His name's Keegan. He owns a huge company in Southern Florida, 70 million bucks. And he said, you have no idea what this new building is going to do for your recruiting abilities. He's like, when I got a nice building and decked it out, People want to come to you. They want to work for you. And when I interview people, the biggest thing I get is, I love this because I see your trucks everywhere and I know there's an opportunity for me to move up. 
you're growing a business. You're not sitting here just staying afloat or kind of taking it down. You're a young guy. You're passionate. You're excited. It's a great place to work. We love your employees. We would like a place to build a home here. And that's what I love to hear. So good, man. You said earlier that success follows success. And it's, it's true. Like A players want to be caught up in something that's in momentum, right? Something that's moving and growing and not stagnant. Uh, so I, it, it is easier for a huge company with all those pieces in place to recruit. But a lot of the things that you said are applicable to a little guy uh, right now, like tomorrow. Like, are you an employer worth working for? That's what I'm hearing. Like, like <laughs> no one owes you labor. So you have to be a place worth working for. Um, another thing, I don't know if you'll think this is funny, but another friend of mine, Pat Clark, who's crushing it. He, what he does with the drug test thing is during the interview, he asks him, Hey, so you'll pass a drug test, right? Literally everyone's like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. Right. He hands him a cup right then. As soon as they say it, he's like, cool. All right. Bathroom's right there, which I thought was kind of neat. He like skip, he cuts right, right to the chase and people fail at like, boom, 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 boom. But, uh, well, you don't check for marijuana, right? <laughs> I don't know what Wiki does or not, but I just thought that was actually, it was funny, but it was also seemed efficient. Like, now let's just like figure this out right now. Uh, Cause he kept getting burned. So you have these awesome people and then whatever, but anyway, sorry. So, <laughs> sorry. Okay. No, no problem. So we have recruiting, interviewing, hiring. The next one's training, which is critical, especially in a sales machine environment like yours. Cause you don't just have well, the technical. The, the next one, let me interrupt you. The next one is orienting. Oriented, okay. They got to get oriented into your company. They need to know what they're dealing with. They need to understand the culture. They want to know how to win. They need to know if they don't buy into the orientation of the company, then you're never going to be successful. So that orientation period should be a place to once again, see if they're going to. So I get a perspective from every employee that they're working around and they go, ah, <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't get it. He'll be successful, but he's going to be bad with your customer service and you're going to get a lot of complaints. So that orientation period is a vital piece of understanding if they fit the culture. Is there like, a, is that their first day? That piece is huge for me. Yeah. I want to talk more about that. Is that like the first day? Is it a week? I mean, I, I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, how do you, they request a day off? What are all of your policies? What's the culture? What's the company story? What's the, all those pieces. Is that like your first kind of in office day that you do that? Or is it a week? Or? So what we've learned to do is, before we start with the training processes, get them out there for three or four days in the field or in the phones. And if you're afraid to take a phone call after you've heard me for two days, you're like, well, I don't really know it enough. You know what, dude? Put me at the 911 right now. I'll take emergency calls. Throw me in the middle of an elevator, elevator emergency. I'll take that call. Give me in the middle of a, a, a broker deal between a real estate agent. I'm going to take that call. I might not know a lot, but at least I'm going to take that call and I'm going to say, I put my best foot forward on that. And with my technicians, I say, how well did they talk to the customers? Did they relate? Were they on their cell phone the whole time? Were they texting the whole time? When you gave them advice, did they listen to it? Those are the people that you can find right away before you put them through the hiring process. They're hired, but now I'm not going to get a guy to do it two weeks for me without paying him. And I'm not going to make an offer before he starts this. So the orientation period might be two weeks of getting them to figure out but before you – they're, all, they're actually training in the process of getting oriented. Training is more of a fundamental system that's going to take them through my route of training. But why put them through that expensive process, which might not be expensive. If your whole training process is just sending out with a guy, 
and that's not training, but to orientate them, to make sure they fit the culture and the values and the mission and vision of the company, I think has been profound with my business. So do you have a, a certain portion of people, maybe not a lot, but they're, they're getting cut loose before they even formally get into the oh, training? When they drive with my best guys, they'll tell me right away. And if the if it's not a unanimous decision, sometimes it's not. Sometimes somebody sees something and they go, well, look, this guy's so great with people, but he doesn't love sales. He'd be a better installer. Then I talk to that person and say, you're awesome, but you're not for this position. So I'm not going to train you in this position. I'm going to move you over to this. Or you seem so good, way beyond a CSR. I'm going to put you in a dispatch because dispatch is an art form. And you, the way you figured things out, the way I've got to see you over the last week, you belong in this position. So I saved myself a lot of time, aggravation, and stress by getting that done. Oh, that's really interesting, man. Thank you for sharing that. This is just awesome. So after orientation, they start training. And yeah, most people don't have a good training program or any training program or it's all in their head, which is horrible. Um, but assuming they have a training program, just kind of explain what yours looks like in general. So there's, you know, for, for example, I've, I've studied a lot under Al Levy. And so my technicians are technical, sales, and operational. So you've got to learn technical means you can work on anything I put you in front of operational means, you know how to use the tablet, you know how to walk in front of, we know when we call the person in advance, we know when we, do we ring the doorbell? Do we shake their hand right away? Well, sometimes people take offense to that, especially if you have a dirty hand, what questions do we ask? And then there's the sales side of it. And sales is uh, very important. What's your eye contact? What's your, so, We've got basis manuals and training. And right now I'm learning on a learning management system. So what a learning management system does for me is you go through a seven minute, I take everything out there that I've done with my manuals and turn them into videos. And then they take a quiz afterwards to make sure they paid attention. And then it's constantly, but I teach them sales. What's a rebuttal. So I've got a quick rebuttal for you. Um, I used to hate going out to landlord, homeowner, landlord, you know, with the tenants, and um, I always would get shot down because I'd go call the landlord and be like, dude, your bottom rubber's worn out. So I'm making a whole video about this. So now what I do is I'll go get the tenant and I'll show them, do you have a bug problem? Okay. I, I figured because the number one way they're coming in is this bottom rubber. Do you see where they're coming in here? Then I call the landlord up with the on, on speakerphone and I say, hey, Mr. Landlord, Mr. Jimmy, I'm sitting here with your tenant, Tommy, and he's looking at this bottom rubber. This is the reason you got all those nasty bugs in here that I've heard about. We should go ahead and get this replaced right now. And the landlord's like, all right, yeah, go ahead. And I said, I'll leave the old one here for you to inspect if you want me to install it down the road. But you know what a landlord would say normally if I called him? He'd go, it's a rental, bro. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> they have all these little lessons. The number one thing I could teach my guys, if they got a nest, you know, the thermostat or any type of advanced thermostat, they're interested in home automation that we could do that to their garage door. If they got a refrigerator in their garage or a freezer, it's an opportunity to sell insulation or a new door. When you walk up to the home, there's five things you're looking at. You're looking to see if they have a keypad. How does their bottom rubber look? How's the oxidation look on the garage door paint? How does the trim look? And then is there any visible cracks or dents in the garage door? That's before I even walked up. And so if you have your training down to a science and you teach your guys and you beat the same drum every time, you'll find success happens all the time. These guys go through an invisible door and they break through it. And then I interview them. 
And I say, what happened? And every time they say, it, I finally got it. I believe in the system now. Some of the times they'll say, I tried something different. I was successful, but I go, let's go back to the basics. Did you ask the three questions I ask? Did you call ahead? Did you smile? Simple little things. Did you start with the problem first? And on the phone calls, we teach this stuff. We've got 40 page manual just for the CSR. And it, it might be a little longer because you're only supposed to hit the 80%, but all these manuals are like, what is your day to day? This isn't supposed to be a manual that's like tough, but the manual for the CSR is like the dispatcher is like the technician is like the door department and they all interconnect. So we train them all in each other's positions and that's called a depth chart. So if my CSR leaves, is there a dispatcher that could help? So training people in multiple divisions of the company when they are there for a year or further or longer is a huge advantage because if any one person walks out, you need to have backup. And I always say, people say, what if they got hit by a car? My optimistic way is what if they hit the lottery? So, (laughs) but yeah, that is, so you are, you're, you're training all the time. You're cross training veteran employees on new things. You're also updating your training with, with things, right? So is there, some sort of protocol is everything company-wide is through some sort of portal, an LMS system they're logging into, going through things. So that's coming out, but there's level one, level two. There's we, So for technicians, there's an apprentice, there's a junior tech, senior tech field supervisor. So everything's got a place that you can move to. Mm-hmm. So, and everything comes with a different performance plan. I'll tell you the number one problem I see, Josh, all day long, every day, this is the number one problem, is there's no performance incentives i work with a guy smartest guy genius he worked for 12 years in silicon valley and his thing is what he found most effective is your base let's say it's forty thousand. you can make and as a manager job you can make 200 percent bonus on that base so you can make 120,000. and what i find is if you don't have the right lure you're not going to catch the right fish and you know, what I do is, is I fish with dynamite. And <laughs> also I give them the right incentive plan where they can make enough money. And I can say, dude, if you make 140 grand, I know I made a shit ton of money. And so many people, they screw up their incentive programs. They pay way too much or they pay way too little. You need to be good at Excel. You need to work through everything in your mind. The first time I came up with an incentive program, we screwed it up. My manager... I'm not even going to say where or what, but he's making a lot more money than I would have agreed to now, but he kicks butt and I'm not, it was my mistake. But then again, I've lost great people because I didn't come up. Performance based is number one. I talked to Amanda Holmes who wrote, her dad wrote the book, um, the red Bible, the ultimate sales machine. That Holmes daughter. Amanda's his daughter. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I talked to her on a podcast and she said, the smartest thing my dad did is when he passed away, God forbid, it was horrible. But when the company didn't make money, nobody made money. When the company made money, everybody made money. And the incentive program is what caused everybody when my dad passed away to continue to fight the fight, which was wow. very powerful for me. And it's, it's not easy. And that's where I get consulting. And that's where I'm not great. So we'll work out every division of every problem and say, here's how you win the game. When you play for me, at least you know how to win the game. Cause if you don't keep scoring, how are you going to win? So good, Tommy. So good. <laughs> I well, love it a lot here. I know. Well, it's so good. It's, 
just unbelievable. So people have to watch this a couple times to let it all sink in. Um, so let's try to land the plane here so you can have a great weekend. And thank you for doing this. You're going to serve a lot of people and help a lot of people. So what would be your, uh, as we wrap up, words of advice, encouragement, or maybe kick in the butt to, to someone doing less than a million? Uh, doesn't necessarily even have to do with employees, I guess. But what would you say to them to kick them in the butt and get them a big result and help them stop making excuses and, and really go for it? Uh, well, it's not about who you hire necessarily. It's about who you don't fire. What I would recommend is having somebody come in and look at your business who you have. It could be a best friend with the vacuum cleaning business. I don't care what it is, but have somebody else give you a perspective. Get people all the time. What I have people do when they walk in is do a SWOT analysis. But I really look at the weaknesses in my business. I, it's fun to get a pat on the back, and there's nobody that likes a pat on the back more than me. But at the same time, I really put my energy into where I'm failing. And it's constant. It's a constant thing where I have people walking through the door telling me, you're great, but you should work on this. And make the change. It's like we know the problems out there, but you got to be able to identify. I think a small business owner under a million dollars has so many things coming at him that he tries to do them all at once. And he says, I'm going to fix this, 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 and this. And they do get fixed temporarily. And then something happens and they go right back to the same. So pick the largest. Best thing I could say is let's pretend we had a sailboat and the sales are going good, meaning our marketing is going good. We're getting the right calls in. Where are the holes in the boat? There's a lot of them, but there's one big hole that's pulling us down fast. Marketing is where I start with, because if you're not getting calls, your sales are not even working, right? right. So let's fix this one hole. This one hole is going to cause the boat to sink. There's no faster way. You can't go patch every hole. Fix this one thing today, this week, this month, this quarter. Focus on it. Make sure it stays fixed by putting checks and balances. Inspect what you expect. And then go on to that next big hole. But be able to self-reflect and identify where those weaknesses are and fix them. Come up with a plan. Write it down. Implement it. Because if you don't, you're going to continue to go down this route. And what I would advise you in that case is try to sell. But unfortunately, what you want to sell for is way more than your company's worth. Because if you made 120000 last year, that's what it's going to cost me to replace you. Therefore, your company is worth $0 to me. I could give two craps about it. I'll buy your phone numbers for 500 bucks a piece. Because that's all it's worth is the phone numbers and the stickers you put out there. So, so many people think their business is worth their blood, sweat, and tears. It's not worth anything. Anyways, I don't want to leave it that. The optimist inside of me would be. It was good. Work your butt off every day, but continue to work on the business. It's a cliche, but don't work in it. What that means is 70% of my time when I was a small business was in it. And I put 30 towards towards fixing it. And then as I grew to 10 million, I put a little bit more towards on it. And then I put a little bit more than I now I've become a project manager. You know, it's pretty cool to say that we moved this building and the top three guys weren't here during the move of the last month. It's pretty cool to be able to say that, but at the same time, I understand that being a big business is scary and you could say, well, Tommy's different. I'm not any different. I started out with one truck. I started out fixing doors. I started out in debt and I built this because I've learned from other people. I've made changes. And the scariest words that I've ever heard about anybody's mouth is this, this is the way we've always done it. Well, the way you've always done it will put you into bankruptcy. So make changes today, start today, write down a goal, come into work on Monday, which is a holiday for me. 
I'm here on a Saturday. I'll be here tomorrow. And it takes time to create success. But I know when I'm Josh, well, Josh is only two years older than me. But when I'm a couple years older, I'll be able to kill it and live the life I want. So work hard today for the life you want tomorrow. Man, I've all I want to say, Tommy, other than just give you a digital high five because you're a complete BA, is uh, the thing I notice that seems to be contributing to your success is number one, you're obsessed with marketing and sales. Most little guys aren't. They do just enough to almost make it. You're obsessed. And I know that you are. We didn't even talk about that, but I know you are. But the other thing is, is that you are continuously like doing a SWOT analysis to look at the threats and the holes in your business. And you're, you have like, have you heard of the concept of productive paranoia? It's like you're, yeah. paranoid, you're paranoid as you're winning, but you're not getting caught up in the, oh, I'm really cool. Look at me. Because your mindset is like you didn't even start yet, but you're so far beyond other people. I think uh, they rest on their laurels way, 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 way too soon. So they get to a half a million dollar business and they're like, I did it. And they're like 30. And it's like, you didn't start yet, <laughs> but you're not like that. You're, you're obsessed with sales. You're constantly aware of the holes. You're humble and you're driven and all that. So I, I appreciate your time, my friend. And then I'll leave you with a quote that I think you'll like, because you said, it's not so much who you hire, it's who you fire a few minutes ago. Um, my friend Alex Sharpen says that most companies die of indigestion rather than starvation. And meaning like the cancerous, the team you've assembled, I thought you might might like. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll leave you with a quote. It's the, it's the ability to identify the invisible to be able to obtain the impossible. Mm. So for me, nobody said, everybody said there's no way you could do this in the garage door industry, but I saw the invisible out there. Then that way I could do what they said was impossible. That gives me goosebumps because nobody said, and I'm only, I'm a rookie. Wait till you see what I am when I'm a vet. Cause I'm about to take this thing to a whole <laughs> new, to a whole new level. And, you know, there's there's different people that set records. I'm not going to set a record. I'm going to set the precedence of where you have to be. And that's my goal over the next 15, 20 years. So, Josh, it was amazing to be on here. I always get a lot of energy when uh, when we get to talk. So I appreciate every time you invite me on and all the stuff you've done for me. Likewise, you are the man. And I uh, appreciate it, Tommy. Have a great weekend, my friend. Fist bump, high five, chest bump, noogie, all the stuff. Massive love. <laughs> I'll have to come down and uh, let you kick my butt at golf sometime. Uh, we need to do it, man. Hey, maybe I'll come to Michigan, man. That's where I'm from. Nah, Arizona's better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you Take so care. much.